0: Good morning at 12:31 a.m. It's Thursday, throwback Thursday, October 29th, and to those who celebrate it, Happy Halloween or Dios los muertos. Let's jump right into the program and welcome in Tunisia. Welcome to the program. Thank you for tuning in and telling your friends and neighbors and everyone in your social circles about this show. And another one, get your last chat on with Su Yang. It will be in the notes, in the show notes. Check it out on Anchor, Spotify, and other streaming platforms for podcasting. Tonight we're going to catch up with CBS News. Gail King interviewed two Brianna Taylor grand jurors. Wednesday morning, they speak for the first time anonymously with an attorney present. Thank you for listening.
1: In an exclusive interview, we are hearing from two of the grand jurors in the Breonna Taylor case The 26-year-old woman was shot and killed in her own home during a Louisville police raid back in March. No police officers were charged for the shooting. Taylor and at least one of the officers involved has defended their actions. We spoke with the jurors and their attorney who say they were never given the option to consider murder or manslaughter charges that contradicts statements made by the Kentucky Attorney General. We are not releasing the identities of the grand jurors at their request for their safety. Can I ask you what you both think of the police uh, behavior and actions that night? Negligent. Negligent?
2: They couldn't even provide a risk assessment, and it sounded like they hadn't done one. Um, So their organization leading up to this was lacking. That's what I
3: mean by they were negligent in, in, in the operation. Number two? They were criminal leading up to this and everything that they... The way they moved forward on it, including the warrant, uh, was deception.
1: Yeah, you can see more of our exclusive interview with these two jurors. That's tomorrow on CBS This Morning. They wanted to be called grand juror number one and juror number two. Um, but they said it was, it, was, it was difficult to come forward, but it also wasn't difficult because they were so outraged when they heard the decision, they said, A, they have never met Daniel Cameron, had no dealings with him whatsoever, and when they heard his statement saying that grand jury believes this or agrees with this, they said there was outrage in the grand jury room. They had a lot of very interesting I'm, things to I'm say. I'm very interested
4: a, to hear what they have to say, especially yeah. as we've discussed at this table before about the warrant, how it came about, exactly. and what the police were told when they went to that Yeah, war. a lot of questions yeah, about you that. You heard that comment about the risk assessment. Yep. Exactly.
3: Very All right.
0: Yeah. Well, that was not the one for today today, we'll find that one, stand by, we can pull it up, it's on the companion podcast, get your last chat on. With Sue Yang. There was a whole day of podcasting today on that podcast. So lots of international music, news, political commentary from our former president. Barack Obama Current Events, lots of good music, but let's now go to Brianna Taylor Blockbuster.
1: involved has defended their actions. The jurors told us authorities never presented them with the option to consider indicting officers on more serious charges for Taylor's death, which left them feeling frustrated, disgusted, and even betrayed. Now we're not revealing their identities
3: at their request for their safety. They didn't give us the charges up front when they gave us all of that testimony over twenty-something hours and then to say that these are the only charges. That they're coming up with it's like well, what did we just sit through and then to be told
1: that we're not charging them with anything else to me it was a betrayal so when you all looked you're one and two and you're told that the only thing you need to consider right now is wanton endangerment did anyone say hey is are there any other options here did anybody did there either of you say that almost the entire room what was the answer that you were given Basically, in a nutshell, they said
3: there were other possible charges that we considered, but nothing that we could make stick. They never gave us the opportunity to deliberate on anything but the charges for Inkelson.: That was it. As a matter of fact, when they announced that those were the only charges, it was an uproar in that room. There was several more charges that could have gone forward on all of those officers, or at least the three shooters. Why is
5: this so extraordinary, Kevin?
3: Normally, the
5: grand jurors are presented with the law. And the charges so that they can listen to the facts with an open mind and apply those facts to the law almost as a roadmap. What happened here? What happened here was it was done in the complete reverse. What stands out to you the most? From a legal perspective, it looked
3: like they weren't following the grand jurors and they only wanted the grand jurors
5: to follow them which is contrary to the actual rule.
1: Grand juror number one and number two say what prompted them to ultimately speak out was that press conference held by Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, which they insist falsely represented their position on potential indictments for the officers involved in Breonna Taylor's death.
3: While there are six possible homicide charges under Kentucky law, these charges are not applicable to the facts before us because our investigations show the grand jury agreed that Mattingly and Cosgrove
2: were justified in the return of deadly fire. When he stated that there were six possible murder charges and that uh, the grand jury had agreed that that those didn't apply, the first time I heard the word six possible murder charges was in that
1: news conference. It wasn't presented to you in the grand jury deliberations? No. And personally, when...
2: I do something i take responsibility for it we had
3: not done that i really felt that this was all cameron this was up to him we didn't get a choice in that at all so i was livid by the time i heard what he was saying everything that came out of his mouth i was saying liar because we didn't agree to anything we never met cameron you've never met attorney general cameron no we never met him he never discussed anything with us. I think many people will
1: be very surprised to hear that they had no contact with Attorney General Cameron whatsoever.
5: Uh, I agree. If you watch the press conference, it seemed clear from the wording uh, that Mr. Cameron was implying that he played a larger role in the actual presentation.
1: Is that normally how it works?
5: Well, the attorney general in in Kentucky doesn't normally present cases uh, to the grand jury. Uh, But I think to answer your question, Gail, generally the the highest person in the office would at least come introduce themselves to the grand jurors.
1: Do either of you think there was enough evidence to present charges of murder, attempted murder, manslaughter? Yes, I
2: think there was. I mean, just all of the evidence there... As we
1: were listening to it, we were sure this was leading up to something like that. Among the evidence the grand jury heard from the night of the raid was a 911 call from Brianna Taylor's boyfriend Kenneth Walker. He says he fired a warning shot at who he thought were intruders. Officers returned fire with 32 bullets. 911
3: uh, operator Harris, where is your don't, emergency? I don't know what's happening. Somebody kicked in the door inside my girlfriend. The thing that stood
1: out to me when I was talking to him, he he said, why would I call 911 if I thought
3: it was the police? That resonated with me because he didn't know who it was that was coming in. You know, he had no idea. You could hear the distress. Everything about what he said was believable. It made sense all the way through. You found him credible? Yes. Totally believable. Did you find the police credible?
2: No. No, they're, they're many inconsistencies in their story. Now, I understand that, you know, in in a situation like that, you may not remember, but I didn't find their testimony credible.
1: What was your understanding about what happened that night?
2: It was a mess. It didn't seem to me that there was any organization or almost any leadership um, in the whole operation. From the evidence that I heard, this
3: thing started out downhill to begin with. You don't need seven cops to go up to somebody's door and knock on it and say, you know, we're here to do an investigation at one o'clock in the morning. They kept going downhill from there. It was one mistake right after the other one, right after the other one. They covered it up. That's what the evidence that I saw. And I felt like there should have been lots more charges on that. They covered it up. Now, later this morning, former Louisville officer
1: Brett Hankinson is scheduled to be in court for a pretrial hearing on the wanton endangerment charges that he's facing. We did, by the way, reach out to Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. He did not give us a new statement, but last month he did tell a local Fox affiliate if the jurors had wanted to make an assessment about different charges, they could have done that. The jurors, as you see, uh, disagree with that. They they didn't get that that aware of it, I mean, juror number one is white, juror number two is black, and it was juror number one who was so upset that reached out to attorney Kevin Bogauer because he said, I don't
4: know what to do with this. This is so frustrating. Well, you can understand why they were livid at the attorney general's Yeah, Yeah, They were being told that they went along with something that they clearly did not. not.
1: And that's what upset them. It took them, they said, a minute, under two minutes to deliberate on the charges because all they had to consider were the wanton endangerment. We'll talk more with them at eight o'clock about the toll that it's taking.
4: But you can can obviously, this is just two members of the jury, we should say, but they had a very different conclusion. than. But
1: Anthony, I did ask, do you think other jurors feel this way? They said, look, we can't speak for other jurors, but there was an uproar in the room that everybody was unanimous unanimous in their anger about the
4: decision. Well, we don't presume to speak for those other jurors either, but it's very clear these jurors Mm -hmm. were not represented in in what the Attorney General said. Very interesting. Incredible interview.
1: One of the officers at the scene, Brett Hankinson, was fired and charged with wanton endangerment for shooting at the apartment next door. No one was hurt there. But no officers have been charged for Taylor's death, and at least one of the officers involved has defended their actions. The jurors told us authorities never presented them with the option to consider indicting officers on more serious charges for Taylor's death, which left them feeling frustrated, disgusted, and even betrayed. Now, we're not revealing their identities at their request for their safety.
3: They didn't give us the charges up front. When they gave us all of that testimony, over 20-something hours, and then to say that these are the only charges that they're coming up with, it's like, what did we just sit through? And then to be told that we're not charging them with anything else, to me, it was a betrayal. So when you all looked, you're
1: one and two, and you're told that the only thing you need to consider right now is wanton endangerment, Did anyone say, hey, are there any other options here? Did anybody, did either of you say that? Almost the entire room. What was the answer that you were given? Basically,
2: in a nutshell, they said there were other possible charges that we considered, but nothing that we could make
3: stick. They never gave us the opportunity to deliberate on anything but the charges for Hinkelson. That was it. As a matter of fact, when they announced that those were the only charges, it was an uproar in that room. There was several more charges that could have gone forward on all of those officers or at least the three shooters. Why is this so extraordinary,
5: Kevin? Normally, the grand jurors are presented with the law and the charges so that they can listen to the facts with an open mind and apply those facts to the law almost as a roadmap. What happened here? What happened here was it was done in the complete reverse. What stands out to you the most? From a legal perspective, it looked like They weren't following the grand jurors, and they only wanted the grand jurors to follow them, which is contrary to the actual rule.
1: Grand juror number one and number two say what prompted them to ultimately speak out was that press conference held by Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron, which they insist falsely represented their position on potential indictments for the officers involved in
3: Breonna Taylor's death. While there are six possible homicide charges under Kentucky law, These charges are not applicable to the facts before us because our investigation showed, and the grand jury agreed that Mattingly and Cosgrove were justified
2: in the return of deadly fire. When he stated that there were six possible murder charges and that the the grand jury had agreed that those didn't apply, the first time I heard the word six possible murder charges was in that news conference. It wasn't presented to you in the grand jury
1: deliberations?
2: No. And personally, when I do something, I take responsibility for it.
3: We had not done that. I really felt that. This was all camera. This was up to him. We didn't get a choice in that at all. So I was livid. By the time I heard what he was saying, everything that came out of his mouth I was saying liar because we didn't agree to anything. We never met Cameron. You've never met Attorney General Cameron? No, we never met him. He never discussed anything with
1: us. I think many people will be very surprised to hear that they had no contact with
5: Attorney General Cameron whatsoever. Uh, I agree. If you watch the press conference, it seemed clear from the wording uh, that Mr. Cameron was implying that he played a larger role in the actual presentation. Is that normally how it works? Well, the attorney general in, in Kentucky doesn't normally present cases uh, to the grand jury. Uh, but I think to answer your question, Gail, generally the the highest person in the office would at least come introduce themselves to the grand jurors. Do either of you think there was enough evidence
1: to present charges of murder, attempted murder,
2: manslaughter? Yes, I think there was. Yeah, I mean, just all of the evidence there... As we were listening to it, we were sure this was leading up to something like that.
1: Among the evidence the grand jury heard from the night of the raid was a 911 call from Brianna Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. He says he fired a warning shot at who he thought were intruders. Officers returned fire with 32
3: bullets. 911, operator Harris, where is your emergency? Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. Somebody kicked in the door inside my girlfriend.
1: The thing that stood out to me when I was talking to him, he he said, why would I call
3: 911 if I thought it was the police? That resonated with me because he didn't know who it was that was coming in. You know, he had no idea. You could hear the distress. Everything about what he said was believable. It made sense all the way through. You found him credible? Yes. Uh, Totally believable.
1: Did you find the police credible?
2: No. No, they're, they're... Too many inconsistencies in their story. Now I understand that, you know, in in a situation like that, you may not remember, but I didn't find their testimony credible.
1: What was your understanding about what happened that night?
2: It was a mess. It didn't seem to me that there was any organization or almost any leadership um, in the whole operation.
3: From the evidence that I heard, this thing started out downhill to begin with. You don't need seven cops to go up to somebody's door and knock on it and say you know we're here to do an investigation at one o'clock in the morning. They kept going downhill from there. It was one mistake right after the other one right after the other one. They covered it up. That's what the evidence that I saw and I felt like there should have been lots more charges on that. They covered it up.
1: Now, later this morning, former Louisville officer Brett Hankinson is scheduled to be in court for a pretrial hearing on the wanton endangerment charges that he's facing. We did, by the way, reach out to Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron. He did not give us a new statement, but last month he did tell a local Fox affiliate if the jurors had wanted to make an assessment about different charges, they could have done that. The jurors, as you see, uh, disagree with that. They, they didn't get that aware of it, yeah. 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 I mean, juror number one is white, juror number two is black, and it was juror number one who was so upset that reached out to attorney Kevin Bogauer because he said, I don't know what to do with this. This is so frustrating.
4: Well, you can understand why they were livid at the attorney general's come. Yeah, they are being told that they went along with something that they clearly did not.
1: And that's what upset them. It took them, they said, a minute, under two minutes to deliberate on the charges because all they had to consider were the wanton endangerment. We'll talk more with them at eight o'clock about the toll
4: that it's taking. But you can, ob- you can obviously, see, this is just two members of the yes. jury, we should say, but they had a very different conclusion than... But we. Anthony,
1: I did ask, do you think other jurors feel this way? They said, look, we can't speak for other yeah. jurors, but there was an uproar in the room that yeah. everybody was unanimous,
4: unanimous in their anger about yeah. the decision. But, well, we don't presume to speak for those other jurors yeah. either, but we, it's very clear these jurors mm-hmm. were not represented in, the, in what the Attorney General said. Very interesting. It's
3: incredible interview.
0: Now how it all comes out in the wash, and if I had to make a prediction, I would say this is the beginning of the end of A.G. Attorney General Daniel Cameron's career. He was too busy playing politics with the big boys in Washington, he didn't have time for the people in Kentucky. He threw Breonna Taylor's family under the bus. May God judge him with the utmost justice and absolutely no mercy. None. This is just so so unspeakably horrible for this to happen to that woman in her home, minding her own business sleeping and then they break her door down for no reason she was not a criminal her boyfriend was not a criminal they had never been involved in any crime, but this was just such a horrible, unforgivable, unforgivable mess, and then all the cover-up, and the cover-up is still going on, whew, well, um, think we listened to both parts Gail King of c b s did a two over two days, and I think we covered all of it, but it will come up in the, again. This is far from over. it is not over, so there will be more on this show. And on the companion show, there are many, many stories, many episodes about the Brianna Taylor shooting on the other companion show. Get your last chat on with Su Yang. If you're interested and you want to know the background and why there is. So many people upset over this. The stories are already posted. If you want to read them. Okay, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And salams to all the people in Tunisia. And I really enjoyed your your imam, um, what is his name, in the mosque, in the masjid, the big, big, beautiful masjid in, um, where is it, somewhere in Tunisia, oh, it's, it's about 12.58 in the morning, and I've been podcasting for well over twelve hours now, so I can't recall the name of the imam, but it will come to me. <laughs> and um, I really enjoyed listening to the uh, prayers from the Tunisian mosque. I'll take a quick check to see if there's anything here that is um, not two or three hours. <laughs> Today, there, the posts went over two hours. The segments and the episodes went two hours, 39 minutes, 11 minutes. Sixteen minutes. And of course, when President Barack Obama speaks, he doesn't stop for 45 minutes or one hour. So some of his speeches are posted. Were posted on Wednesday. We're now Thursday, early Thursday morning. But a couple of... uh, Obama's speeches were posted, so um, they ran long yesterday. But it's a variety of information, nothing boring. We don't repeat the same information unless it's uh, something. Newsworthy like the Breonna Taylor matter and some of the other people, so many people have been gunned down by the police. It just uh, seems to be a continual loop all week, ev- almost every day. So that lets you know there's too much corruption in the police departments in this in this country because th- there is no other explanation no other explanation for them to just target african americans mostly african american men and again like i stated on the other on the other podcast, most of us are grateful, thankful for our police officers because, yes, we pay their salary, but we appreciate their dedication, loyalty, and the service that they provide to our communities, but it's time to take out all the excuses of the past, all set that aside, take away all the Take away all the, the ones that have been making it difficult for the loyal, dedicated officers to do their job and the ones that want to make it hard for everyone else, make it bad for citizens, make it bad for the majority of the men and women that do the job, who are so loyal, so professional, so excellent at what they do. They are just the best, at least in Los Angeles. We are so proud of our officers in Los Angeles, but it only takes a few to ruin it for the majority. And so, as a citizen, I can only speak for myself that I have seen so many excellent police officers do their job that I could only think there's only one. One scenario in my mind, and that is that there is a group that we've been reading about for decades in our sheriff's departments, in our police departments, we've been reading about it, hearing about it in the media. There's always a small group that wants to create their own alternative way of policing, and it's not even close to professional, not even close to policing as anybody would understand policing, so it's the exact opposite. So this is why we want it corrected. The whole country and the whole world wants it corrected. And it may take decades and decades and decades, but it won't stay like this. No, it's not going to stay like this. Okay, thank you for listening. I, um... Oh, yes. Imam Mutali Akura Akura I believe that's the name of the Imam that does, uh, Prayers in Tunisia. Yes, I listen on the internet, on the YouTube channel. I've listened for, oh, several years. I'll make a note to, to play that uh, YouTube. I'll make that note right now. Imam Mutalib Ibn Akura A C H O U R A And Mutalib is M U. T-T-A-L-I-B. I'm missing part of the Imam's name, but I believe it's, uh... I'm not sure. I don't want to guess, but I'm sure Mutalib Ibn Akura is in there. If anyone wants to hear beautiful, beautiful prayers from Tunisia, check Imam Mutali I-B-N Ibn Akura A-C-H-O-U-R-A. And if I'm too sleepy to, to get the name correct, it will still come up in in YouTube. Okay, I'll take one quick look at um, at the lineup and see. Well, I think that's enough for tonight, because it's really, really late, and I don't want to wake up everyone. So <laughs> thank you for listening.